This is the Chi Chat Podcast with, with Chiquita Searle. Last year, I announced the introduction of a relationships and dating segment, which we are going to call the Unhinged on Hinge. Now, I don't know if that's a trademark issue, and so until they sponsor me or sue me, then we're just going to persevere. I then lost the plot slightly because I realized I hadn't actually wrangled any dating or relationship experts, which was my bad. However, I have spent the break wisely, and I'm now delighted to let you know that the Unhinged on Hinge, which I mentioned earlier, is commencing today. So that is very exciting. Without further ado, I am delighted to actually announce that our first relationship expert is none other than Belinda Bailey. So before I turn Belle's microphone on, I want to give you a brief context about how we met because I find that um, that is very useful and I also like to just give a little bit of brief background. So me, as we all know, forever being single, I made the executive decision in 2019 to do Belle's Love Codes course, which I proudly graduated from. Side note, I actually do not know if I graduated, I decided this. I'm just assuming that Belle's, my certificate is on the way. I'm sure it's just lost in the mail and I will be checking with Belle when she comes on air. So Belle is a love and relationship educator and coach with 20 plus years of experience in transpersonal psychology and neural and behavioral change. So that is a bit of a mouthful, but essentially if I break it down, she helps people rewire their neurology to open themselves up to ultimately mastering relationships. So welcome Belle and thank you for being our first relationship expert. Hi, Chi. Thanks for having me, honey. My absolute pleasure. So one of the conundrums that Belle contends with all the time with her clients is this. Imagine you've met someone, you're feeling a connection, you like them, you're wanting it to progress, and then you believe they feel the same based on their behavior. And then boom, they stop responding or they start to withdraw. So we're going to talk to Belle about this exact scenario today and how best to manage it because I think we can all relate in that we've all experienced someone withdrawing from us if we are keen and or we know someone who has. So Belle, we're going to use my recent dating disaster with the mulleted accountant as the example here so that you can provide advice in terms of what I did versus what you'd advise your clients to do because I'm sure there's quite a gap. Um, So in preparation for today, Belle painfully sat through my first ever show where I mourned the loss of my non-relationship with my non-boyfriend, the mulleted accountant via song. So the scenario was this, ladies and gentlemen, in case you weren't listening to my tale of woe at the time. I met the mulleted accountant on Hinge at the start of the year. We briefly dated before it fizzled. We reconnected about eight months later and started spending time together. I'm all in. I'm totally keen. I'm feeling a strong connection and believe it's on like Donkey Kong. So there I am ensconced in my own little love bubble where apparently I am all by myself and he is participating, but it's mainly me initiating. Then, plot twist, the board is open and he legs it for New South New South Wales after telling me that four dates does not a relationship make. Just quietly, I think it was more like five or six, but you know, semantics. So ensue confusion. I was being vulnerable, Belle. I was open. I was expressing my interest. All things were told you need to start a healthy relationship. What did I do wrong? I'm being vulnerable. I'm declaring my undying love. Why is he running away? <laughs> um, well, where do we start? Okay. It, it, you know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, in all honesty, Chi, you know, like you, you're, it is funny the way that you talk about it, but it's also hurtful and it's sad and it's painful and you're not the only person and it's very real, these experiences. And I love the way you bring some lightness to it because, you know, in, in all honesty, that's probably the best way to deal with all of these things is, uh, you know, to bring a bit of lightness and not take it too seriously. But being honest, our hearts are deep and they, they get hurt quite easily. 
Now, um, there's lots of places we could go to with this, but I want to speak specifically to what you said, and that was that, you know, there was a lot of communication and you were doing most of the initiating. Now, as soon as I say that, I know you're going to go, uh-huh. So it's not just – I want to say here that it's not just um, that, you know, we often hear women shouldn't do the initiating, we should let men make the first move. And it's a bit old school in some ways and it can be a little bit of a um, a turn-off to us modern – and powerful women, we're kind of like, well, yeah, that's all well and good, but I don't want to have to sit back and I don't want to take a back seat. But if we understand the psychology behind it, it's it's not so much that. What happens is if we're doing the initiating, what we do is, A, we take away, well, the most important thing is we take away a very valuable tool that it provides us when we allow them to initiate. And that tool is that we get to see how keen they are. Ah. Now, so maybe yeah. if I hadn't initiated at all, I would have realized literally within 48 hours that I was the only keen being in attendance. It's possible, Chi. And what we find ourselves often doing, I think in the back of our mind as women, there's always this inkling that we shouldn't be doing that, that, mm. oh, I really send this message? Well, it's always I- been a rule of mine, don't reach out first, but mainly out of fear yeah. of rejection not, and my ego, not really yeah, so- following any rule per se. <laughs> Yeah, well, this is this is where perhaps that that you know that that um wounding can can come in handy. But if we but we want to look at it like that, like a tool. It's our filter. It's our way of discovering if they how keen they are and therefore how worthy they are for us. But so essentially, breaking that down, we women should lean back and not initiate. We should let the men take make the first move. One hundred percent, and that will indicate that will tell you how keen they are. And so is this for the first time ever or is this the first couple of dates or is this how long or forever? Great question. We just Such don't participate good. ever. <laughs> well, we just suit me. Well, in the beginning, we don't know how keen they are. We don't know them. So it's one of our tools of information gathering. Um, a good friend of mine termed that coin, uh, for that uh, that phrase for me. A long time ago when we were talking about this and I was developing the love codes and it's a phase in relationship where you're not yet committed and you're information gathering. And in that stage, it's very important not to step up too much because you're taking down notes. You're gathering information as to not only how keen they are, but how forward they are. You know, do you want to be in a relationship with someone who doesn't make much effort? And you might want to. But well, the answer would, is no. Yes. Right. Ladies so, across the board, the answer is No. Exactly. So, and if we do this up front, if we install this in the very beginning of dating and relating with someone, we do get to that information load quicker, i.e. we work out more quickly. Yeah, it might be in the first two days or two weeks. We go, yeah, he's not the guy for me because he's not stepping up. He's not making taking charge. I'm not interested. Whereas if we keep on putting in a bit more effort, a bit more effort and give them a carrot and dangle it and they take a bite, then we can drag it along for a little bit longer. But eventually after six months or six years, the truth comes out and that is that they're not that interested or they don't have that much energy to step up and take charge and we don't really like that anyway. So it's a tool to actually stop us from wasting our time. Exactly. So how do you manage the balance then between showing interest and not being too keen? So, okay, we we don't make the first move and we wait for them. So say they are making a little bit of, you know, they're initiating, they've, you know, because the mulleted accountant, he reached out to me initially um, and then it was just all me. Now I think about it. Mm. Um, yeah. So how do you manage the balance between showing interest and then not being too keen? 
Yeah, great question. Such a good question. Um, and, you know, women often ask the question like, well, what does – or when you're in it, when you're actually in it, when you say not to be the one to make the first move, that's great initially, but then what – so tomorrow can I text him without him texting first or next week yes. can I – yeah. So realistically, in the very beginning when you're information gathering, I would recommend for women who want to attract a relationship where the man is very much in that masculine energy of being directive and taking charge, then for the very for the in the beginning, for quite some time, I recommend not being the first one to call or message at all. Just only communicate in response to them until you get that momentum in relationship where you know it's happening and then you can start to be a little more forward. But And this isn't because you're playing a game of, um, of being manipulative or anything like that. It's that you're information gathering you're taking your time to gather information as to where he's at and what he's you know what his intentions are and if he's the kind of guy you want to be with but we do want to let them know that we're interested this is another issue that men find with Australian women. So we all know that the issue we find with Australian men is that they're not forward enough, they don't ask us out on dates and do that very, like, datey thing, right? It's, it's in mm. Europe and even in the States. It's yes, a lot our different. dating culture is different here. Yeah. Now, uh, not a lot of women know that what men find really difficult about Australian women as opposed to in Europe and, and the States is that we don't give enough... Um, Signs? Signs? Prompts? Yeah, we mm. don't give enough signs or prompts or what I've lady of We're just women of mystery. We have such intrigue, Belle. Yeah, but the problem or is... Or are we just emotionally stunted? Where are we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not mysterious or intriguing. What is, is that it's probably annoying. <laughs> and we need to understand that, you know, you know how hard it is for us as a woman to step up to a man and say, hey, I'm interested. Can you imagine how hard it is for men? Like, it's terrifying that they're so frightened. Yeah, because we're asking them to, yeah, to then reach out to us, but then at what point so how do we express interest and are we just meant to – and by responding, is that interest? Because sometimes yeah. I respond out of politeness, not really out of interest. Yeah, so so you show interest by responding. Yeah, it's in your response. So rather than being the first to say something, you, you do it in your response. And be, this is the other interesting thing is when we feel like we're being overt, it's still subtle to men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so saying something like if he says, you know, oh, um, I really like you and I'd love to, you know, go out sometime. We kind of don't want to be too forward. So we think, oh, we say, oh, that'd be nice. That's nothing to them. They don't get anything from that. What you need to say is, first of all, lead with how it makes you feel that he's asked you to, that, or he said that he'd like to see. So, oh, you know, that's that sounds really exciting to me. And I'm free on Saturday and next Wednesday. Okay, so that's yeah. not being too forward. So they initiate yep. and then we respond with a feeling and a suggestion of a time and a place or, no, or you're just, free, you're, I'm free on Saturday. Just let them know, you know, let them know that I'm free or, you know, I'm not very busy this week. Just let them know that you're that you're keen. Give them a compliment, you know. Um, Stroke yeah, the old give ego. Give them a compliment and, and, and say nice things about them because mm-hmm. men rarely get compliments. They often get a lot of, you know, backhanded Flack. compliments masculine world and and that's enough it, you can be as kind as open-hearted and as loving as you like so long as it's in the beginning it's in response mm. this is chit chat with, with jakita Searle. we are back now with belinda bailey who is our relationship expert for the launch of our new dating segment today which is the unhinged on hinge so i will if you're just joining us i'll give you a brief recap the scenario we are exploring today is you've met someone you're feeling a connection you're wanting it to progress and you believe they feel the same then boom 
boom, they stop responding, they start to withdraw, or even worse, they just ghost you. So Belle is talking us through this. And we actually had our first question, Belle. So I'm going to hit you with our first question from our listener because we have had someone write in to ask, what's the number one thing women are attracted to in men? So what is it? Such a good question. Um I'm going to answer it with uh, what most people would expect, which can seem a cliche unless we break it down, and that is confidence. So the reason women are mostly uh, attracted to confidence in men is it's kind of in our DNA. If you take it back a a long, long time, you know, women who were childbearing and, you know, taking care of the hearth needed to be protected from the wild saber-toothed tigers. And so we needed the strongest man to, you know, that was the desirable mate because he would protect you the most. And that hasn't changed much except what uh, what that means uh, for us these days is different. Clearly we're not going to be attacked by saber-toothed tigers, but we do need to feel like the man that we're with is somebody whom we can trust. Mm. And, the, we, you know, if somebody's confident in themselves, we feel relaxed, we feel like we can trust them, we feel like they've got this. So confidence is number one. But I'd like to say, you know, for all the beautiful men out there that are listening and feel like, oh, well, that just loses me because I'm not very confident. You know, I'm, I'm a quiet type or I don't like to speak up. I, I'm a homebody. It does. Confidence doesn't mean the loudest, most aggressive person. Confidence means a man who is comfortable within himself. And that means a man who's capable of um, accepting parts of himself, even if he doesn't like them, but recognize them, not trying to run away from from ideas of who he might be and his shortcomings, but he's able to be who he is and comfortable within that. That is the greatest element of confidence. I love that. That's such a great tip. And I think that is also goes for women as too, too wouldn't it? Uh, meaning what, that men are attracted to that in women? Yes. Is that right? Uh, well, look, it's an attractive quality for all, but I think very specifically um, women, um, that's probably the number one thing that women are attracted to in men. And I think in women it's different. I think what men are attracted to in women as the number one quality would be slightly different. Well, tell us about that then. Let's explore that a little <laughs> bit more because <laughs> I'm curious now. Because <laughs> yeah. um, do I have it? Do I have this, you know, <laughs> elusive quality? Tell me, tell me. <laughs> yeah, I, I Look, it's kind of similar in that um, it makes a man feel comfortable. But for uh, the thing that men are most attracted to in women is their receptivity or their openness. Mm. That's because men are driven to give and to provide. It's, it's uh, like I said, it's in their DNA. And so if they're around a woman who gracefully receives their energy, I mean, you just got to look at our anatomy. I always love to use this analogy and I don't know who's listening, so I won't get too crude. But if you just look at the anatomy, you know, women's anatomy is such that it receives and men's is such. It's a Yeah. There we go, the receptacle. <laughs> That's what call it. <laughs> I don't think that's a scientific term, but I did not do biology in grade 11 and 12 bells, so that is what we will go with for today. And so, yeah, and so what men find most attractive in women is is that they are able to receive. And, you know, along with receptivity comes vulnerability and all of those really juicy and sometimes challenging 
states that we are trying to be able to embody more and more these days. And I'll just add in there that the reason that these things are not so, um, you know, that we don't all embody them so easily or so much these days is because of the kind of the world that we've been brought into and the kind of programming that we've had that's made us have to um, expand our masculine qualities more, which makes us be less receptive and more so direct. let's touch on that then because I was about to say before when you're talking about the man having confidence and being the, the provider and the woman being protected and feeling safe. Um, so that's – I was going to then say that is that the, the polarity of the feminine and the masculine? And you've then touched on a really interesting point because a lot of women, I think – out of maybe necessity, have become a little bit more masculine or taken on more masculine masculine traits. They've become more self-sufficient, more independent. They're having children on their own. So how is that in terms of – so how do we navigate that in terms of, mm. you know, we're, we're probably a little bit more – we're starting businesses a lot more. more. We're mm. just – we're becoming more independent, self-sufficient. So there's not that real need there for the man. So how do we yeah. manage that in terms oh, of – you just hit, you know, this is this is at the core of the work that I do with women in my courses. Uh, I work mostly mostly with powerful women, successful women who just have their shit together in every arena but find relationships really challenging. And, you know, that's more and more these days. There's more and more women who fall into that basket and I've been in that basket myself. Um, and, yes, it has created such a, a probably the biggest issue that is present in relationships is that we are living in a very masculine-dominated world, a patriarchal kind of society. And so in order for us to... Um, to take our birthright, which is to be a part of the fabric of society and to contribute and to, you know, have a job and to be able to create and do all of, of those things, we've, but through necessity, we have cultivated our masculine traits so that we could um, play the game. And that's all well and good. However, in doing so, we've lost our capacity to also embody that feminine. And in my understanding, in all of my research and all of my application, I see that, um, you know, all human beings have the capacity to access their masculine and feminine and traits. They're not uh, exclusive to one sex or the other. But what we need to be able to have and what we've lost is our uh, flexibility to move between the two when it's most appropriate. And if you're in a relationship or if you want to be in a relationship, which a lot of women do, that, you know, powerful, you know, directive women who are, you know, make moving mountains out in the world, they want to come home into a relationship with a man who he's going to take care of things. And, you know, we're going to feel like he's got that and I can relax and I'm his queen. But in order to do that, we have to be able to step into our more receptive polarity and so how do we do that then because i think the theory is great but when i think about how do i move from being dominant to being receptive because i have a strong personality um and i don't know how to do that how do i do that bell strong personalities doesn't mean that you're in your masculine i want to really um make that clear thank you (laughs) Being strong, being funny, being uh, confident, they're not they're not things that make you masculine. What makes us masculine is not being able to receive and always being the one to give and do and mm. jump the gun. But when you're in your feminine, it's about one of the ways that you can cultivate that feminine energy more. It's practice, for starters. Um, and, you know, you need to go through a retraining process. Like, we genuinely do. And that's a lot of the work that I do is help women to understand what it is and then practice it and to reprogram some of the 
um, dysfunctional programming that we've taken on culturally. And that really is at the forefront. So what's some of the dysfunctional programming that you're referring to? Is that um, where we're feeling like we're having to do everything ourselves or that we can't find a man to meet us or what is it? Great question. I mean, how deep do you want to go? I, I would say at the core of it, the dysfunctional programming is that feminine traits are not valuable. Um, not women. Not the women aren't valuable, but feminine traits. So um, collaborative, you know, collaborative energy or collaborative approaches to things, creativity, imagination, all of these kinds of things um, uh, have been made out to be um, of no or little value in our kind of um, materialistic world. And so we've that that's at the core. That's the programming at the core. And then we've been told also things like the other feminine qualities of like feelings, for instance, and being illogical are uh, of such little value that in fact, you know, it, they you, people use those terms as a put down. To yes. say, oh, you're so emotional. Or, mm, you're crazy. Yeah, but they're actually qualities that we need to value and experience and explore and expand. And when we do that, we're actually embodying the feminine more. So I, I had a meeting yesterday with my um, with my business team and they're an external team and they're amazing. And there's two women and, and one man that I was meeting with. And, you know, we were able to sit down and it's very unusual, but we were able to sit down and and project the year ahead and I was able to say to them, you know, ultimately what I need is flexibility because we need to be able to say here's the goals for the year. You know, that's what the guy was saying. We need to say here's the goals. This is what we want to do. But what I need is I also need flexibility because if there's an emotional process that comes into me or my family, I need to be able to be present with that because that's of high value. And he got it. The whole team got it. And that's why this is a team that I work with because they have those masculine traits of goal setting and, you know, pushing and making it happen. But they also understand and value things like flexibility and creativity and feelings. So I suppose that feelings piece is around being vulnerable. Is that right? So the ability to say how you feel, because in the Love Code, you actually mentioned quite a lot that part of communication a woman communicating with a man is very much about saying how we feel and that mm-hmm. takes obviously a lot of vulnerability and I think that's something that we probably do not cultivate uh, as well as we could. Uh, so tell us a little bit more, um, how do we know when it's the right time to be vulnerable? Mm. I mean, isn't it sad that we feel like just expressing how we feel is make, makes us vulnerable? It's true, it's right, but well, it's, it's so scary. sad. You know? Even on the Love Codes cause with other women in similar situations, to me, I mean, we had a long to go for eight weeks and it was probably not until week five where I felt comfortable actually sharing how I felt. And that was in a safe space. So, I mean, God, is there any hope for me, Belle? Well, this is (laughs) – that's normal and that's that's my point in case, right, is that like being able to feel and express our feelings should be just a natural, easy thing to do. But because it's been demonised for such a long time, we have to retrain ourselves to be able to do so. And um, the thing is, and this is, again, this is at the core of the issue in relationships. I mean, I've been working in this space for a long time and, you know, it's become very apparent to me that one of the biggest issues that we have is this lack of polarity and um, this stems very much from our um, our inability to express our feelings. Men 
love and they, and to the male listeners who are listening you know you may completely disagree with me on a conscious level but unconsciously men actually are very attracted to a woman's feeling nature and you know when we do that when we like have a feeling response and i'm saying feelings as opposed to emotions but when we have that feeling response a lot of men say things like oh she's crazy or she's you know losing her banana or whatever but but underneath it, they're still compelled to that. And the reason for that is our feelings come from that place of mystery. They come from that place of void. They come from that place of being connected to something that's greater than our small mind. And men are inextricably drawn to that in women. Can I just ask you a quick question? Because there must be a difference between being vulnerable and very being needy. So oh, yeah. I, there's oh, a f- yeah. we're always told not to be needy as women. We're always told that's a massive turn off to men. That's the first uh, way to get them to run screaming mm. for the hills. Totally. So what is the difference then between being vulnerable and being able to share your feelings versus being needy? Because mm-hmm. it would be a fine line, wouldn't it? Well, yes and no. I mean, being needy is a thing all of its own. And I think that what happens often is we get um, confused as to what what does it mean to have needs and what does it mean to be needy. And it's absolutely not only okay, but it's essential to have needs because that's how we have a bar, you know, as to what kind of a man we want to attract into our life. But where we go wrong often is that when we recognize what one of our needs is, we we tell the person that I need you to do this. And that makes it needy because it's it's literally saying out into life that in order for me to exist happily, there's I need something from this person and that puts a lot of pressure on them. But instead, if we're able to express our need as simply a need that you're responsible for, so for instance, if, if one of my needs in relationship is um, for lots of physical touch and I'm not getting much, then instead of saying, I need you to, to give me more physical touch, I really need you to hold me and hold my hand in public, I need you to dot, 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 as opposed to saying, you know, I know for me, To be in a relationship, to be happy in a relationship, I need to have a lot more physical touch than what I'm getting. And then you need to stop, shut up, put masking tape (laughs) over your mouth, what I call leave the gap, because that's vulnerable. Mm. When you've said, I need this, but you're not telling them how or why or making excuses or giving them ideas on how to do it. You just say, this is my need, and you're not telling them I need you to do it. You're just saying, this is what I need in a relationship. Then you're leaving yourself open to see whether or not they're going to give it to you. Mm, Is this another information-gathering tool? This is the big one. Mm. This is the Chi Chat Podcast. So we are here with uh, Belinda Bailey, who is our relationship expert of uh, the day for our dating segment, The Unhinged on Hinge. So, Belle, we were just talking about the difference between vulnerability and um, neediness when trying to share your feelings with uh, your partner. So what are some ways to be vulnerable with a new love interest that is safe? Mm. Well, interestingly, the word vulnerable, you know, it means something different to everybody. And I think that we use this term so often these days, and it's fantastic. You know, people like Brene Brown, who's absolutely fantastic, has brought vulnerability to our awareness in the masses. Um, And sometimes we get confused, though, as to what it means. The word vulnerability in its literal translation and its origins means willing to be wounded. Oh, God, (laughs) kill me. (laughs) Yeah. That is not a great... uh, definition well it's 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 raw it's really raw but no wonder it's painful then because we're physically being wounded 
Well, no. Ouchies. No, we're not. We're not being wounded when we're being vulnerable. It means that we're willing to be wounded. It means we're putting mm. our shield down. And that shield is covering up different things for different people. So, you know, some people's vulnerability is making a mistake. Some people's vulnerability is actually needing help. Some people's vulnerability, you know, th- there's there's different different things make us each feel vulnerable. So the area where we feel vulnerable is the area that we usually hide from the world. And that's fine. It's actually kind of probably smart in some ways because not everybody in the world is trustworthy. Not all situations are trustworthy or safe. But when we start to interact with somebody as a potential intimate partner, the whole idea of intimacy is that we get to know each other deeply and in all of the areas that we've hidden from the rest of the world. And that's the whole point. You know, you can have a lover or, you know, someone you're hanging out with and it can be fun. But if you don't become intimate, if you don't get to see those deeper parts of them and allow them to see those hidden parts of ourselves, then we never feel truly seen and we never feel truly satisfied in a relationship because what we want and need more than anything else is for somebody to see us all the parts of us, and for us to know that they're okay with that. Okay, so this so, is a good one, Belle, actually. Sorry, a scenario's just come to my mind. Apologies for interrupting. but um, no, So a scenario, so say you just mentioned before you're spending time with someone. So say they're not your partner yet, but you're spending time with them. You're having relations. So how do you then um, move to the intimacy and vulnerability piece? How do you let allow them to see in your yeah. inner world or your inner being or how do you what's the, the scientific term save me here i'm struggling um so i don't know I don't <laughs> you know your inner, your innermost but, being i guess yeah, yeah to take the wall down so how do you allow that so you how do you transition yeah. it from a point where you're just casually dating to do you want you've decided you like this guy you or this woman yeah. you want to spend more time with them and how do you then make that happen in terms yeah. of using the tools that you're suggesting Yeah, Uh, great question. And it's about testing the waters and it's about the vulnerability trust loop. So those people who've worked with me, yourself included, will will know this terminology. And it's, it's, it's actually amazing the way that it's set up naturally, innately in our psyche. And when we're able to uncover all of the kind of conditioning that stops us from being in our natural way with men and men with women, we're able to access the vulnerability trust loop. And what that means is, you know, if you think of yourself as a person and right in the deep centre of who you are is your deepest vulnerability, the deepest core of who you are. And then it's like you have these like concentric circles, like an, uh, layers, like an onion. And each layer, um, you know, protects you from the world a little more. And as you take down each layer, you get a little closer to your core. And when you meet a man or any person, you know, we've pretty much got up all those layers. And there's two ways that we can um, go wrong here. And one of them is we keep all those walls up the whole time and we wonder why they lose interest. Mm. Or we, yeah, and we keep up the, those walls and we wonder why it just doesn't go deeper or it doesn't go to that next level. The other thing that we can do, and we're seeing more of these days because people are understanding vulnerability is necessary, but they're not really understanding or having the skills for that 
those the more intricate play of it. We find a lot of women are doing what I call the flood, and that is they just pull down all those layers straight away and and lay all their cards on the table. And what happens then is that also scares the men away because that's a lot to deal with. I mean, you know, did their um, did their love interest also go and hide in regional New South Wales? Is that well, where they all are? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is probably you know this is this is an element. You we can't pin everything all down to one. It's a fine know, balance, like, isn't it? Because generally it's a it's a play between – generally I'm very good at not being vulnerable and having literally – it not going anywhere because I can't actually move to the next stage and I don't understand the intricate play of vulnerability, obviously, clearly enough. But then the other one, mulleted accountant, poor bloke, he had it all. It just I decided I was keen and then he just copped it. So, but I think, you're, I think what happened in your case, Chi, more specifically was that you – didn't leave a gap in the beginning. You didn't allow space for him to step forward. I think that's more to the point for you. And yes, it's similar to the flood, but I wouldn't, I just from what we've spoken about so far and knowing you, I wouldn't suggest that you gave him all your vulnerability straight away necessarily. I would say more so that you were filling the gap and didn't give him an opportunity to be the director. Belle, this is why they pay you the big bucks because that is very <laughs> perceptive. I'd say you're quite on the money there. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Whereas the vulnerability piece, I know that you that was something that you'd struggled with, but mm-hmm. I think a lot better in that <gasps> arena, to be honest. Well, I do. Yeah. I am a high achiever. I do like to move forward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I definitely don't think I've mastered it. But, you know, I'm sharing my dating disasters with all and sundry and Bayside currently. So that is an area of vulnerability. <laughs> it is. It is an area of vulnerability, especially letting me come on and speak to you about it because talking about just, you know, like having a fun time is one thing, but the fact that you're um, you're able and willing to actually dig deeper for everybody else's benefit is a really beautiful thing, and that's where people truly learn. Well, I do aim to be a service. So, um, so what's the so? Okay, so how do you deal with? Okay, so say someone at the start, a, a, a person of the opposite sex, your love interest, they are keen, they are reaching out, they are initiating, they're making the effort, they're stepping forward, you're opening up. You're responding, and then they pull back. What happens there? What's at play there? And how does one reignite their interest? Because that's one of my fears is that I they step forward, I then go forward to meet them, and then they pull back. And then I'm left out there very cold in the dark by myself, yeah. flailing in the wind. So what, what yeah. do we do in that case? You're not you're not alone there, hun. You know, this is really common. And it's I can't say um, – I can't say – globally what it would be for everybody but I can say for you I've had pretty good idea and I would suggest you know having worked with hundreds of women in this kind of scenario it's often the case that that what's happened is like I said before in the beginning you're filling the gap you're not allowing to cultivate that dynamic that polarity which you know when you really allow space for that polarity to be created it gains momentum and then you can kind of let go of the reins even more and, and it just you know, it happens for you. I would suggest in your case that was, you know, that was the killer in that way. But <laughs> I you, killed it dead. Well, <laughs> yes and no. And that's why I, I, I want to say that, um, you know, the next question, and I'll come back to it, but the next question you ask is how do you reignite it? Well, first of all, I want to say that, you know, if someone's really into you, like if a man is deeply, deeply into you, you know, it's, it's pretty hard to kill it. Yeah, okay. it's, it's noticeable. <laughs> yeah, you can kind of damage it here and there, but, you know, you can't kill it within the first few weeks. If he was super into you. So if he's run a mile, how do you reignite it? I've got two answers. Do we really want to? Yeah. The, mm. fir- the 
the first answer is you can you can what you can do is lean back lean the hell back focus on yourself focus on your own pleasure your own feelings whatever they might be forget about him don't call him don't even ask but by you focusing on yourself energetically the quantum you know if you look at quantum physics but what attention goes where energy flows and so if you just start focusing on yourself and forget about him he will possibly come back to you if he doesn't come back to you then he's not coming back to you and you don't want him you know what they say i'm just thinking myself that old cliche if you really love it let it go if it comes back to you it's yours forever you know these cliches man our grandparents they were on to something there is real there's science behind this now so if you want to reignite the you know their attention stop focusing on them focus on yourself and that will create the possibility for them to focus on you again too However, if someone's running a mile, let them. Mm. Yeah, for sure. But the reason we don't let them is because we, as women, we often, a man comes Well, we make excuses. I often have, um, I have counselled many a friend, Belle, who's, the the love interest has left the building and but there's a, a myriad of excuses that we then come up with because we never want it to be over we never want it to um to find fault with them because we want them we want to believe the best in other people particularly if we're interested well, in them so yeah, we make excuses we want to believe the best in other people but it's also because we over invest so mm, again in the beginning point. women will meet a man and they'll over invest they'll put all their eggs in that basket excuse mm. the pun but they do and what we need to do instead is stay focused on ourselves, stay focused in your own pleasure and use that information gathering time. We don't invest everything in you. Let them keep coming to you. And if they're not coming to you as much as you would like, then that's the first piece of information that you've gathered. That's really true. And can I ask another question? Because this is a little bit off topic, but I'm just always curious. And I don't know if we've had this conversation, but um, everyone says they look for chemistry. Is chemistry a thing? Oh, oh, my God. Is that a thing? This is is another episode. Or is this another fallacy? Okay, okay. We'll have to have you back and we have to talk about that. Can you you touch on it briefly? Because I'm so curious about this one. Yeah, Yeah, look – I do a whole a whole workshop and masterclass around this because it's very, very deep. There are what I call there's six types of attraction that I talk about. And one of them is is chemical, mm. you know, and that's the one that we're used to responding to. But unfortunately, chemical attraction, chemical um, reactions within our body when it comes to being attracted to another person is based on, wait for it, our body, so our unconscious mind recognising in another person the a good DNA match to make a healthy baby. Oh, wow. The other thing that is often that often ignites chemistry, that chemical reaction, is our unconscious mind recognising in another person the capacity to activate our original love code mm-hmm. or our original love programming that we received from our childhood, which is almost always a wounded idea of what, what love is supposed to be. Okay. So, Belle, I'm that's probably going to – sorry. So, we, we're going to have to go – That's we're attracted to the bad ones or that stupid Oh, that saying. makes so much sense. But, Belle, I just wanted to give a little bit of information so people can actually reach out to you. Um, but first of all, I want to say thank you so much for being here with us today. We're so appreciative. So, if you want to connect with Belle, you can find her at her website, which is www.belindabailey.com.au. So, Bailey is B-A-I-L-E-Y. So, belindabailey.com.au. Or on Instagram at belindabailey underscore relationship. 
relationships. And I think we're definitely going to have Belle on in the future um, because we have so much more to talk about. So thank you so much, Belle, for being here with us today. Amazing. Thanks so much, Chi. It's been so fun. We'll chat with you soon. This is the Chi Chat Podcast.